Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of the Spin Badger podcast. I'm really excited to share today's episode with you, uh, with Mike Yardy. He's someone I've always loved talking about the game with, and especially spin bowling. Um, Yard has been a big mentor for me since a very young age. I looked at the podcast analytics recently, and we have listeners from all over the world, places you'd expect like UK, Australia, New Zealand, India, but also some from the USA and also Bahrain, which is interesting. So if you're listening from Bahrain, please get in touch. Um, having a break after this mini-series to really focus on uh, my own training leading into the 2021 season but I'm sure there'll be some more episodes coming soon anyway Um, and as always it'd be really appreciated if you could leave a review for the podcast or just share with anyone you think would be interested and have listened to the back catalogue if you haven't already. Right here's Michael Yardy, enjoy. So today's guest is a World Cup winner, he's someone I've been lucky enough to know since I was young and I've always enjoyed talking cricket and spin bowling with him. He played for Sussex for 15 years, winning everything you can in the domestic game and also played for England in both white ball formats as an all-rounder bowling left arm spin. And in 2010, he was part of the winning England side that won the World T20 in the Caribbean. After finishing his playing career, he's gone on to coaching and being involved with teams such as Sussex, England 19s, New South Wales and now he's at Kent. He also supports the greatest football team in the world, the mighty West Ham United. Uh, so welcome to the Spin Badger podcast, Michael Yardy. Hello, Josh. How are you doing, mate? All good. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, so starting, I guess, uh, with your playing career. Um, like I remember like when I was really young watching you at Sussex, you know, you, you weren't always a spinner. I remember watching you like steam down the hill bowling your yeah, left arm seamers. <sighs> Um, so, you know, what was what was the process like, kind of changing to become a spinner? Yeah, I mean, it was really simple. I played in the second team game and I'd done a load of work in the um, in the winter on the technical side of my action. And then we played a few second team games and we played one one day and um, I think it was like the 16th over. I come on to bowl and I went for 38. So I thought these are, this is the time probably to think of I've given up a bowling seam and uh, yeah, it was one of those where I didn't want to tell the coach because he put so much work into me and I was like, oh, I don't want to tell him, but I think he kind of, <laughs> I think he maybe, maybe told me. So, um, no, it was a good, it was a good decision and it was just, I don't, I don't know, it kind of, it was one that, yeah, I thought, well, I always liked being involved in the games. I always saw myself as a batsman and a bowl to kind of, yeah, keep myself in the game and I, and I, I thought I'd give spin bowling a go and it, and, it, and it worked quite nicely and I kind of picked up the skills pretty quickly, I think. So, quicker than I probably expected. Yeah, I think it's something you see like in quite a lot of young cricketers, like 12, 13-year-olds will be seamers and then James Spin, I think particularly in like left-arm spinners. But um, quite rare to see someone do it when they're already playing professional cricket. Like, who's the coach? Was it with Peter Moores? Um, no, he, I wouldn't say Moores, he did hell of a lot of my spin it was kind of firstly um i did some work with keith greenfield um you know mark robinson and and norman gifford who was he used to be coached a long time before i played at sussex but he was always around with it and you know those guys helped me and um you know gave me the basics to my action and then it was kind of and then once i had the, those kind of fundamental basics and i knew what they were then it kind of it developed from there and Ironically, when I first started bowling spin for the first kind of year, I probably bowled with nice shape and bowled it quite slowly, and then quickly 
quickly worked out that you know I needed to find a way of bowling in one day cricket and got lower and more slingy and yeah and just kind of yeah you you evolve to what you're doing don't you it wasn't a huge amount of overs to bowl in four day cricket so you know I knew there was an opportunity in white ball cricket so I adapted to that yeah definitely I think that being adaptable has been a been a really big uh, message from everyone I had on so far and it was obviously like you know a really good decision to start bowling spin um, you know, you went on to have a lot of success. What do you think like your strengths were as a spinner? Yeah, I think, as I say, I kind of got a reasonable amount of kind of technical information, but very kind of basics. But when I, because I, I, was, I was never, it was all about kind of stopping the batter score and that was my mindset, you know, and look, there'd be a hell of a lot better spinners than me who would, you know, be able to, you know, talk more about their craft in terms of getting people out and setting people up. But that never kind of, I never had those years like you're saying you know most people if they change it's kind of at 13 14 and then they have a lot of years to kind of develop and understand bowling spin and the kind of intricacies and all the you know things that go along and getting the overs in you know in whether if you're as a professional in the second team or, or you know or in junior cricket so I never had that so I always relied on my kind of uh, that competitive edge and also being a batsman so I could always um, always felt I had a good sense of what the batter might try and do um, and then I always thought it was my job to kind of counteract that with a way of um, stopping them scoring. So whether that be changes of pace, using the crease, um, yeah, just little little subtleties in, in that way rather than thinking, right, okay, I can understand what the batter's doing. I'm going to try and get him out this way. So I, I don't think I had that kind of mindset. Um, so I, I think mine was very much about kind of what can I do to stop them scoring? And then with that, I think that, that can create wicket-taking chances. I don't think necessarily, you know, you need to put a slip in and, um, yeah, and, and put a short leg in in a 50-over game to get wickets. And I, I learned a little bit. It was interesting I say that because I learned quite a lot from, obviously, playing with Mushtaq Ahmed, but also Sakhle Mushtaq joined us in 2008 at Sussex. And he, I learned a lot from him in terms of what, he did it, in a, obviously, in a different way. He would put a slip in, he would put a short leg in, he would create that kind of theatre that way. But I, also, I never felt I had anywhere near skill to do that. So, but I, it changed my mindset in that, right, okay, new batters in, right, I'm going to bring up mid-on and mid-off and I'm going to bring up deep cover or I might bring up a sweet man. I'm going to say to the batter, right, okay, if you want to if you want to hit me, you've got to go and do it. And I think that obviously the game's evolved, you know, in the last period of time. But I still think there's an element of that. I, don't, I think deep down, if you ask a lot of batters when they first come in, they potentially don't want to take a take on a shot over the long on in a 50-over game. They don't want to, but I think there's a... As spinners, we can sometimes, you know, it's easy just to keep him back, you know, and just to hold him up. But actually, that might be a way of, you know, creating a wicket-taking opportunity or bringing up your sweet man or, you know, just having a few more... Being a bit braver and having a few more extra players, you know, players, builders uh, in the ring can be a way of taking wickets. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like... On that field stuff, like I've got a bit of a theory, like, and this doesn't apply to like the very best batters because they just do what they want, basically. But like, I always think sometimes if I bowl a more attacking field, like the batter almost like shows you more respect and plays with less freedom. Whereas like, you know, when you might have like the two straightman batters just come in and not their singles and just looked easy. Whereas like, if you have them up, I think like people batters are more like to go like in their shell and stuff. Yeah, because if they're bat, you they, you've kind of made their mind up for them. Mm. And I think, um, and, and yeah, I think that's, and I think it's a, and, but I mean, that was the one thing from 
again, it was a long time ago, but from Saki, is that all of a sudden when the field changed, people would play, you know, all of a sudden you're walking in and you've got slip in there and you've got a short leg. All of a sudden this is like, hang on, this isn't a normal, you know, 50 over game. So it's, it's finding ways, you know, because people, you know, you know, I think people now can play the attacking shots, but most people need balls to get in. And it's, it's, it's making it as hard as possible for batters to get in. Once they get in, then, yeah, then you probably do need fielders back. But once, you know, even if it's just for a few balls, every, you know, early in a T20, why not? You know, why not? You know, see where the batter's at. Because actually, you don't know whether he's feeling really confident. You know, he's not, he, you know, sometimes they just want a bit of time. You don't know where the batter's at. He, you know, he might be, he might be struggling with a bit of form. And he's thinking, oh, if I can just, face, you know, five, six, seven balls hit the sweepers hard and then go, you know, and actually stop doing that and you have, they have to rethink their plan. Definitely. I think especially in T20, like, it, you can only do it for like one or two balls at the start, but it can still mm. make such a difference, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you take out, if you think of it as 120 balls and if you can do that with a couple of batters, that, you know, potentially four balls of the game. And I know it's a small thing, but it, you know, it can, it can have a big effect and also you might correct wicket as well. Definitely. I think that's massive. You said like, you know, reading batters was a bit of um, a strength of yours. Like what do you think that because you had kind of that um, batters mindset that was easier and like what kind of things would you look for? Yeah, I mean, I used to always, see, yeah, I think I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily pinpoint what they did that it was. You just get a sense of a batter that you know they might be getting twitchy so then you can you know get under the you know get under their bat or you get the sense that you know they are coming in looking to hit singles so it's a little little uh, yeah i think because i think the best in the world don't give you many clues in terms of their body language but i think a lot of the time they you know not necessarily you know when people are a little bit out of form or not as confident they do give you a lot of clues of what how they're thinking and, and what they're doing so um so, I mean, simple, simple, simple things of, you know, people, you know, people give their clues away. So look, when someone's looking for a reverse sweep, I think you have some people who are very obvious at what they do. Some people are trying to look everywhere but, you know, behind square on the yeah. offside. But they're and they and then by by that they're giving the clues away because, yeah. you know, and I think if you really do, if you really do spend a bit of time just watching them, you know, you don't have to spend, you know. You know, walk back backwards or anything like that. You you do pick up a lot of clues of what how batters are feeling and um and, and what they're what they're kind of thinking as well. So uh, I used to also love rushing people. Yeah, I think I think you know, and it, you know, I think it's really especially you know, especially when they are nervous because I think I think that's a that's a big thing in in T Twenty cricket. Who's running the pace of the over? And I, especially yeah. when you're bowling spin, seems different. But when you're bowling spin, is the batter running the pace of the over always a bowler and I think that makes a massive difference of who's in control of the over because the bowler's running it then usually the batter's going at the bowler's pace and then and and, and vice versa so I think if you can early on get control of you even even if you get hit for a four or a boundary can you you know bowl at your pace and go through your kind of processes and not be distracted by the batter I think it's a crucial thing and it's Something we go, oh yeah, we definitely are definitely doing a match. But actually, when you know when someone has got you a couple of first balls over, can you still keep keep to your kind of method? Yeah, that's interesting. That running the pace over, like, was your theory that if you rush someone, because they never so much time to think, they kind of just freeze, and their instinct would be like, oh, I'm not just going to get out this ball, rather than 
I think so. I think so. It's, uh, I think it's, I think you either rushing them or, you know, some people very good at long pauses in between balls, you know, really actually sometimes really get the batter thinking. Uh, that was never my kind of instinct, but you see it now in T20, you see people, you know, having to wait for the bowler. And we don't, look, we're only talking a few seconds, but it, it feels like it, sometimes the batter, if you're struggling and scrambling around a bit, it can feel like a lifetime and all you want to do is, you know, face the ball. So I think it's, I think there's something that definitely um, a lot of people, you know, maybe neglect. And I think it's something, it's an important part of the game. Definitely. I think I'm much more probably the opposite to what you are. Like I'd, I'd say like I'm very set in my routine and probably, you know, try and maybe, um, like you said, get the better thinking by pausing a bit. But I think maybe mixing up might be a good option going forward because I like that idea of like, right, who's running the pace of the over, you know, who's in control. Yeah, I think I think also it's, you, you want to give yourself enough time, like you say, to do what you do, but it's just sometimes, sometimes if you can, you know, as long as it doesn't affect you, because ultimately you've got to deliver your skill yeah. and, and, and or, or anyone, you know, bowler's got to deliver his skill, but you know, you can, you can adapt yourself if, you know, or anyone can adapt themselves to make it hard for the batter. Definitely. I think as well, that, like you said about the batters, um, trying not to look behind square on the offside when they're going to reverse. Like, I always think that's so interesting, like trying to see where the batters are looking. And yeah. like, I reckon most I've played against, they're just like, and again, there's a lot of good batters out there. So this isn't me going at all batters, but I just think batters are pretty dumb. Like, they tend to like look where they're going to play. Like, yeah. Amount yeah. of times we'll just check what the field is and then do it next ball. It's like, I think it's rogue, like, how often that happens. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And then, and I, I, and then you get some people who double bluff, but they look yeah, so, it's like they look so guilty doing it. So it's, um, yeah, I think if you just spend a bit of time watching someone, you quickly work out what they're trying to do. So and it gives you, it gives you a few clues, don't you? Doesn't it? So I guess that's like another level to analysis. Like if you know, it's different to knowing if someone's going to revert, like if someone reverse sweeps, and you can actually tell what their cue is. That would be handy information to have. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you're talking about like your mindset was more about like stop people scoring. I think that's like that's actually quite a good one, especially in white ball cricket because you know, say if it's in Shane Warnie's, like, oh, you've got to know how you're getting the batter out. But if you are squeezing them like more times than not, they're probably gonna end up throwing a wicket away, aren't they? Yeah, and that's and, and that's a way of getting someone out, isn't it? You know, to to build pressure on them by you know stopping them, you know stopping them hitting boundaries and, and making it as difficult as possible for them. Um, I think there's definitely, yeah, I think that's a way of getting people out. It's, I, I, you also, I mean, I'd love to have been able to have, have the skill to be able to go, right, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put a slip in for this new batter and I'm going to put a slip in for a few balls and back myself to, you know, spin it past the outside edge and get it to slip. But that was never something, you know, <laughs> never something that I was able to do. So you then have to, that was what you've got, didn't it? And it's, you know, of course, it would be lovely to, you know, have the perfect shape and spin the ball hard and things like that. But that certainly wasn't, you know, something I tried to do. But it wasn't naturally a natural thing for me. So it's about then adapting and finding, you know, what can work for you, I think. Definitely. Um, something else you touched on there was like changing pace was really important for you. I'm like always watching you bowl like, I don't know, if, oh, well, it's probably like a physical thing was like you always had the ability to like go up the gears and bowl like really quick. Do you reckon that stemmed from like bowling a lot of seam and your body almost being like 
used to doing it quicker kind of thing and being stronger. Yeah, I, I think because everything about my spin bowl, because I always bowled seam, I think everything all was about for me as a spinner was to slow things down because I always knew that I could go, yeah, you know, I could bowl my fastball and how, you know, and that was, and in T20 because it worked quite nicely because I could bowl my stock delivery was still quite fast, but then my quicker ball was a lot faster. Mm. So there was that kind of big variation in paces, which I think is important. You know, I naturally found it a lot harder to bowl, to go down in terms of pace. Um, so I think probably my slowest pace was around kind of 52, 53, maybe 54. And then I'd be more around kind of 56, 57, 58. And then my quicker ball would, you know, could get up to over 70 mile an hour. So that was a, Decent pace range, which helped. Um, it definitely happened. It helped through, um, yeah, through bowling seam. And I really, and I injured my bicep second to last year before I retired, and I couldn't get the same zip out of my uh, quicker ball, and I, it really hurt me because I didn't have that pace range. I didn't have that kind of quicker ball to get me out of trouble. You know, and everyone has a different way of doing it. Some people are very good at, you know, delivering a wide yorker or you know, really taking pace off or, or on a slow, you know, a real slow, wide one, you know, it's difficult to hit. You have, you know, a ball on a really good hit ball. My, my ball of getting people off strike or, or kind of get, yeah, off, mainly off strike was to bowl it quicker and, you know, that change of pace could surprise people. Um, the one thing also I, I had to always remember was that at the start of my over, I had to start at my slower pace ranges because I knew I was always going to get quicker through the over. If I started quick, it would have been, it was always a lot more difficult for me to go, oh, I'm going to take pace off now. It yeah. wasn't, I think, which is, I think it's normal for most spinners, but mentality wise for me, that like, yeah, my, I, I think I still had that sense. Whenever I'd sense danger, I went quicker, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm exactly. I've never yeah. So it's, um, it's trying, it's trying, I don't know how you do it. I don't know if you, you know, how you set up your over and like that, or you have that, or it's just, well, yeah, and it also depends on what batters. If you if you're swapping batters and you've got one batter in, or and you've got one batter who's just walked in, then you need. Well, I suppose you bowl different paces to them, don't you? Yeah, I guess so. I think like I think that starting your over slow is something I haven't really thought of before. But it's true. Like when you try and bowl on quicker, like I do think it's hard to go back. And I think I don't know if it's different for like a wrist spinner compared to finger spinner, but I feel like naturally my pace will vary quite a bit. Like even if I'm trying to bowl exactly mm. the same pace. But it's, uh, yeah, I think I like something I'd, I want to improve on is being able to change my pace more. I think that's one of my big work on this winter is like, right, can I bowl on really? So like, I think my stop ball is about 52. I think it's probably the same as your slower one, really. Um, yeah. But I think that's probably actually on the quicker side for a leggy. But um, it, yeah, I think, like you said, it's more having, the more range you can have, the more likely you are, I guess, to deceive the batter. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does, it does, I think it does make a difference. Yeah, definitely. And like what, yeah, so you're saying like in in general, like if you think someone's coming to you, you just go quicker. Yeah, that was always my, that was always my way out, I think. And it wasn't, you know, sometimes, sometimes I would, you know, take, take a chance, but I always used to go, right, I'm going to go quicker and I might go under them or I might go into their kind of, um, yeah, kind of hip, kind of area uh, but I think the a ball you know you see a ball a hell of a lot now and just seen you know a lot last year in the big bash was kind of slow and wide 
mm. uh, can you take you know and I think as a spinner it's good in actually and then how hard that is if you, if you get it right and you put it in the right spot then all really a batter can do is hit it out to your offside sweeper um, but I think we're so programmed I was when I played I was like programmed to keep the stumps in play and yeah. that was always my you know and actually you know actually sometimes if you get it wrong there you're really getting someone's hitting up so actually being brave to go slow and wide and you know, and then and then having those having the smartness to to make sure you get your fielders where you want them. So if you are going slow and wide, you can if you've got two backward points, you can probably get them a lot squarer, and you can then potentially know where you're getting out to your deep cover or and move your extra cover around. You know, and, and you can do this subtly as well. And you know, like you're saying, is that you know batters don't always know what you're doing. You know, they might have slightly, idea, but as things like that, and then because I, I, that's something I. You know, if I ever talk to young spinners, that's what I talk to them about. Is actually in, in white ball cricket, how important it is to understand the, the you know the real fine detail of your fielders. You can yeah. you can put anyone stick them in the fielding position, um, but you can you can quick if you, but actually if you if you really understand where you get hit for runs, then I think um, then then you're really gonna um, you, you can save you can save four or five runs a game. So. I, I think of myself, I used to work quick, you know, and straight. So it was so important. I literally had my 45 man really fine. Yeah. Because, you know, I never want to get beaten there. So, yeah, I think like playing a lot with um, Jeets at Warwickshire as well, that was his big thing was like, if you're fielding at a short third or 45, like, just don't get beat on the inside because he knows he bowls at yeah. quick pace. And I agree, like, I think that's such an important thing, knowing like exactly where you want fielders. Like, I think like whenever I come on, that's probably always spend like an extra thirty seconds just moving people like a couple of paces here or there because like, that can make the big difference. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I know I don't know how you found it. I used to find that people sometimes get irritated. Oh, definitely. You know, and they would go yeah. and I tell forty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not like you just know what you want them. Yeah, it's important. It saves runs because I think at forty five, sometimes you used to literally have him nearly behind the keeper. Yeah, you know, but it's like why well, have got because I know that. I know that, like you're saying, if you get beat on the inside, that's four. If it goes on the outside, I've got more protection. Yeah, it doesn't go there. So, but yeah, it's uh, it's so important to have that little attention to detail. Yeah, I'm the same with my extra cover mid wicket. I like having them really straight, um, mm. just because my theory is like it's harder for batters to play square, which is what I probably want them to do. So, just again, a really small thing, but it can make a big difference. Absolutely. Absolutely, it's, it's a dot ball, isn't it? Or you know, and that can then put more pressure on the batter and might lead to wicket. Yeah, that's interesting about keeping the stumps in play. Like I think I was massively programmed to do that, and it was only mm. this year I started changing it a little bit and like one or two and over, or if think someone's coming real hard, like just hanging it at wide line and stuff. And it's mm. of something you got to practice, but I think it is a good skill to have, especially in T Twenty, really. Yeah, it's, it's also I don't know how you find it, but I imagine you have to be quite brave to do it because you. Because it, it can fit, it feels like the consequence if you get it wrong looks like I've bowled a short and wide one. We're like yeah. saying we're programmed from a young age not to bowl short and wide, but it's you know the game's moving on. So yeah, I know what you mean. I think like, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like you don't want no, no spinner ever wants to look bad, but I think probably like if, if you speak about it and have like the right conversations, I guess with like a captain or coach, ever like right, this is what I'm thinking to this batter. Then I think it's a lot easier to do it when everyone knows what your plan is. And like for me as well, like one of the big bits analysis I'll, I'll do if, I, if I'm thinking of doing that is, right, are they good over extra? Because if they're good over extra, then 
I'll just have defects to cover and cover in the yeah. ring because that's probably yeah. the batter's best um, boundary option. But yeah, I think it is. I think it's a really, really effective tactic. Absolutely. Um, so you spoke a little bit about um, playing with Mushtaq Ahmed and Sakhlein Mushtaq, like just focusing on Mushtaq Ahmed in particular. Um, someone who I still watch loads when I was younger, like what was it like playing with him? You know, what, what made him so good? Um, obviously, like skill level, you know, he's brilliant. You know, bowled at a good pace. Um, I think he obviously had a slightly, you know, a unique action for a spinner. Um, an excellent googly um, but the one thing, I mean, you see, he was outstanding skill-wise. But the one thing that really stood out was his mentality and mindset, and how he used to he used to talk about visualising how he's going to get wickets. You know, really in his head, and kind of, you know, really, you know, struck home with me and that type of thing of how he sees, you know, he sees a picture of how he's going to get people out, and um, you know, and then you know he would deliver it. And I think, and again, a bit like um, I said about Sackler Mushy. You know, he'd start with a deep cover, and he could, you know, and then he bowl, you know, bowl real loose and a long hop kind of thing, you know, get whacked. And where other people go, oh, I need, I need him out there for a few more, more yeah. balls. Mushy's mentality like, no, bring him up, bring him up, right, okay, right, okay, I've had my loose now, right, let's get another, you know, an, another man, and you know, and also that kind of always wanting the ball and never kind of, yeah, never shying away from a challenge. You know, I think the one thing also that struck about Mushy that whatever he did, he thought he was the best at. You know, he was like he literally, you know, he's uh, he'd go on a running race with someone, you know, and you know, and he would say, oh, "I'm going to win, yeah, and I'm going to win," you know. And it, 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 <laughs> it was a bit childish in, in some sense, but so um, like contagious that kind of energy of like, "I'm going to win, I'm going to win." No, 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 we're going to do this. Why right, we're going to play golf? You know, Mushy would probably never play golf only a few times and he'd say he's going to beat someone who plays three times a week you know but that kind of and it was a kind of jovial kind of but yeah there was something about it you know he's like you know he's just believe it you know you know just believe that you know how good he was and you know what he could do even you know with fielding about running people out from the boundary and you know you know he did some brilliant stuff you know apart from his bowling um but also and he gave so much energy. I know he's well personally. He gave so much energy to me in helping me get better as a cricketer, but also to everyone in the change room. Just kind of always had time for people, you know. Always thinking of, um, you know, always thinking of how he can help people. You know, he's a very smart man. Very kind of talk about emotional intelligence. He was so high emotional intelligence and understanding what others might be thinking. And I think, you know, so he, yes, he picked up unbelievable Matt wickets for Sussex, but. Also, you know, the way he was with people, you know, he was, um, you know, a real special guy to have in the dressing room. Definitely. Class act. Um, mm. So you, you went on to Captain Sussex. Like, what do you think for um, captains in general, and I guess for you as well, like, you know, what's what's key to captaining spinners? Or like, I guess from you, like, when you're just playing as well, like, you know, what were the best captains you had, like, you know, what were some of the qualities they did to help uh, manage you and other spinners? I think, I think the, the most important thing that I felt, you always feel as a player with, uh, you know, anything, but I think also probably more for spinners because it is a, you know, especially in England in, in certain conditions, it's given them belief um, and given them, and, and also I think it's really important to have an understanding of, of, the kind of role you want them to play and you know and actually 
um, you know, and that's, and I think that's, and that that comes, and then that gives them belief. But I think it's really important that they trust. Sorry, the spinner trusts that the captain believes in them. I think yeah. that's, and how you do that is a, is well, the language you use is the most important thing. So making sure that, um, you know, and then you back up actions. So if you're saying I really value what you do. You know, you actually entrust a spinner to bowl a certain over, um, you know, or come on early and, and, and set a field that kind of gives them, you know, that, that there's a real element of trust there. Um, that's how that's how I think you do it. And and also in, in another sense that, you you know, if you if there's a young spinner, you do, you don't necessarily expect them and have the same um, expectation for them as you would someone, an older spinner and understand like a leg spinner, you, you know, I feel that legs they need a bit more protection. You know, they do. They, they, that's that's something you have to give them. So don't expect them to do a different roles if you had a you know finger spinner in your team. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a harder skills. So understand those types of things, and you know, and, and and make sure that you you know, yeah, that don't don't get frustrated. I think I think it's a real it's a real art to captain spin, um, and not to. Yeah, not to kind of always, especially in England early season, not to always go back to to seam. Um, yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, who who have you found as a captain? Has captain spin well? Um, I think the best seam. Yeah, um, I think like like you said, like it's ones who um, kind of not just like saying they back you because I think that's the easy thing to do. It's like you say, doing those like, the actions that actually suggest they're backing you. So, you know, um, I was, like, I was actually going to ask you later on about that World T20 and like whether having such a consistent side and like, you know, I guess you knew, right, the power play's done, I'm probably going to bowl my four overs from now kind of thing. And for me, like that's, that's, been, that's a big thing is like knowing what your role is and then just knowing you're going to do it like, Almost scat doesn't even tell you you're going to bowl. Like you know, right? Power play's done. I'm on now. That kind of thing. Or in red ball cricket, you know, you know roughly what you when you're going to bowl, what job you're going to do. Like so, I think you know basically all the stuff, all the stuff you said. But I think as well, like it's probably same as mushy with the emotional intelligence. It's just like you know knowing the captain's thinking about you, or you know just picking up the phone when he doesn't have to speak to you. Those kind of things. Like, I think. The things personally, I as a player have like really valued. Yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely think that those they're things that you know. I think once you, yeah, I don't even like sending. I think sometimes sending articles or sending video footage of something that maybe relates to a player. I think it's really important to well, to let them know because you, you do care because you're looking at those kind of stuff, but also letting the player know that. I was just thinking then of. An instance where, like from that T20 World Cup, I remember we played a group game against Pakistan. It was early on in the tournament, and um, my first over had gone for I think twelve, and Paul Collin had brought me off, and I was like, and I remember going out to deep square leg, and I, think, I, I remember having that moment. Where I was thinking, oh God, I might, you know, I was catastrophizing a little bit. Right, okay, yeah. well, I might not come, you know, I might, if I don't come back on, you know, I'm going to play the next game because it was, I was still kind of early into team having that little thing, and I kind of. Right, okay, talk, you know, just said, right, if I'm going to come back on, I'm going to, you know, do what I do and, you know, learn from the mistakes of the first over. And I thought, right, okay, but you don't know whether you're going to get the opportunity. And then we got a wicket, and Collie straight away looked over to me and go, right, you're back on. And that, and how big a confidence that gave me, 
you know, and then I think the next three overs, you know, maybe people go, oh, maybe in coincidence or whatever. I think the next three overs, three overs, two for seven. You know, and and it, and it just, but it was, it was like there was a little bit of me going right. No, no, no. This is what I didn't deliver what I can do, but I've got to go back to what my process is and deliver it. But also him then going right. Okay, we've got an opportunity to get him back into the, into the game. You know, because we actually value what he does, and you know, and then and then going for it instead of going. Oh, actually, oh, we just keep going with what's happening. And I thought, and that gave me so much confidence that a guy can go. Actually, we really appreciate what you do. And, you know, and actually, yeah, it wasn't a bad over, but it was just a bad over, you know, instead of thinking, you know, oh, no, you can't, you can't trust him again. And, and that, you know, it comes both ways, doesn't it? Because actually you've got to earn the trust, but also there's you know, an element that has to be, you know, you have to be, um, you have to believe in people and give them that, that kind of confidence that you do to, to kind of, for them to give the trust back as well. Yeah, it's hard, right? That, like you said, that have actually having the confidence in your spinner if you're a captain like I think like you use the example of like early season England it's hard to bowl a lot of spin like it might be that seems the most effective thing but if you're thinking long term maybe you know give the spinner a couple of overs just so you build his confidence so for when later in the season you get on the rugger like he's got those overs you know what I mean I think it's a very hard thing to do but maybe just looking at the bigger picture you know that type of thing might be important yeah I think and also it's like that kind of understanding the role is key, isn't it? Understanding what the um, actually like someone you might have a spinner who's who's okay against the top order, but he's brilliant at knocking over the the lower order. So what you don't want to do necessarily, you've got to, so you under he understands the role, he understands his strengths, and the captain explains that to a bowler and goes, actually, you know what, you're really good at you know knocking over the lower order, and actually. You know, not that we don't want to use you then, but we don't want to. You know, we want to make sure you're you're, you know, you're not tired and you are ready to go at that point. And then just explaining, you know, explaining. I think that's the thing. You know, it comes back down to communication, doesn't it? This yeah. is where we value. This is your strength. We want to use you here. You know, actually, the seamers. You know, the ball might be a little bit older when the seamers when the you know lower order comes on. The seamers aren't going to be as effective. We want to keep them going now. But you know, once once that kind of nine, ten, eleven come on, that's where we really feel that you can you can have an impact. So a little bit of communication, I think, actually not a little bit, a lot of communication can can go a long way. Yeah, I think um, speaking to the lads here, like when Yorkshire are really successful in the championship, like um, Adil Rashid's like a massive player for the club. And I think, you know, that was basically his role was he wouldn't bowl too much at top six, seven, but, you know, Tal comes in and he just gets chucked the ball. Like, so I think actually thinking about things a bit more deep like that can can really make a big difference. Absolutely, I think so. I think so, and you know, and it can be, yeah, it it can even be, you know, it might be first innings. First innings, it's not much there for the spinner, but actually, second innings they really come into the game. But again, if you're always communicating that back, then the spinner's not just you know potentially standing at mid on or square leg or fine leg and thinking, oh, I just want to bowl. I'm not getting that opportunity. They actually know what the plan is. Um, you know, and sometimes you know, sometimes things don't go to plan. But if you've if you've got a general framework of how how you're looking to go about it, then it gives everyone an understanding of what you know when they're going to be needed. Definitely. Um, so speaking a little bit about the T Twenty World Cup, um, mm. you know, well, first of all, like, what was it like to be involved in in that whole uh, tournament? But also, like you know, as a, as a spinner, what kind of things? Um, made you successful in that tournament and what are things maybe you learned as it went on? 
Yeah, I mean, I think to be the first question and to be involved was amazing. I kind of I played a little bit for England before then, done okay, um, but hadn't played for three years. And then I had a good season for Sussex in T Twenty cricket in two thousand nine. Um, and then we went to the Champions League and played out there again. Boldwell in the, the game out, or a couple of games out there. So I had a kind of confidence that, yeah, I had, I had a confidence and a kind of um, a mind that I thought, you know, I heard a little bit of murmurs that I might have an opportunity. And I, it was a bit of me. It wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm going to go and show people. I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to do that. But, oh, I want to kind of in my mind. I was thinking, well, I want to go and see where I'm at as a cricketer. See where you know, how, you know. What I'm doing now in domestic cricket is that is that something that can be effective in in kind of international cricket, and I had a real kind of mindset where I was always looking to kind of see where I was at and learn, and I really enjoyed that World Cup for that mindset, and also it was a great team to be involved with because um, again it comes back to that word belief, and I think we quickly realised actually you know what we didn't have sometimes you know some the household names that you that you kind of you know, you you think of at the time, you you know, kind of players like myself and, you know, even some of Craig Keatsford at the time was not very well. No, you know, he hadn't played a lot of international cricket. Michael Lum hadn't played a lot of international cricket. Um, you know, there was a lot of players who, yeah, who were kind of, yeah, who were good T20 cricketers but hadn't really been recognised. And I, but I think quickly in the squad, we realised and looked around after the warm-up games and in practice, actually, we, we, we had all bases covered. You know, if people deliver, we had a good chance of you know of going going a long way in the competition, and that kind of happened after we got past the first two games, where we snuck through to the super, super fours or eights. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden we got back and played. You know, playing against. You know, we, we were comprehensively beating Pakistan, who had won it. South Africa were one of the favourites. We you know we beat them quite easily. You know, New Zealand are a good team. We beat them. And, and all of a sudden, you get into the semi-final and you're playing Sri Lanka, who are you know, always in semi-finals, it felt at the time. You, you have a real confidence. And, um, yeah, there was a kind of... That, that's what I think Paul Collingwood brought to the team and, you know, a lot of the other senior guys. There was a real kind of belief in and real clearness of um, what people could do. So that then created a real calmness and everyone was quite relaxed. Um, you know, it was like, we're all... It was kind of like, well, he he bowls in this stage of the game, and he'll do this, and he'll do that. If he doesn't do that, someone else will take it, and someone will score the runs. And if he doesn't, then you know, KP was unbelievable, and then you know, Owen Morgan had a great tournament, and then you know, Luke Wright comes in and scores a few runs, or Paul Collingwood comes in, and do, do you know what I mean? It was like everyone kind of was really clear in their roles, and then if that didn't happen, someone else would step up. Or, but you know, Kevin Peterson was absolutely brilliant. In terms of that, the main thing, I, second question, the main thing I learned from that tournament, I, I, I kind of stuck to what I did. Like I've said it all the way along, I kind of, you know, bowled it reasonably quickly into the pitch, tried to get something out of it, um, you know, a bit of changes of pace and, and worked it out. But the big thing I learned that tournament was bowling with kind of Swanee. And I remember the first few games we played at Barbados and it was. And the wind was kind of blowing into my face, and um, and I totally understood that he was the kind of bowler who, yeah. you know, who it was a breeze. The breeze was coming down, so he would get a lovely breeze with his, it'd be with the wind, but getting a breeze with his, kind of taking it away from the batter to bring it back in, yeah. you know, spin it back in. And I just, you know, it made perfect sense for me to bowl into the wind because that's all what I'd done with Sussex, and then at water short edge, and we played at St Lucia, and there was a short edge. 
one side real short edge like for or for an international game and I just assumed that I would bowl the end to protect the short edge yeah and Swanee was like no 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 I bowl this end I was like oh right well, you know I was thinking off spinner to the short edge that's yeah. it doesn't make, make sense but he's like no, no no I need the breeze that's my best way of getting wickets so I need he's like he wasn't even worried well he wasn't really that worried about the short edge he's more about I need the breeze because that's my best chance of getting wickets yeah. that's when I, you know we're talking about kind of you know, the best and understanding how you're going to take wickets, that would be something that really struck home for me. I was like, blooming out of the sky. It was like, a, it felt like a 55 metre boundary, but he was yeah. like, no, no, I'm bowling yes, that in yeah. because I've got the breeze. You know, and that's when I think, you know, you've got a, you know, a world-class performer because they're happy to go, you know what? Yeah, they can get me. They might get me to a short boundary for a couple of sixes, but actually, if I've, my best chance is to get them out is to have that breeze to take it away to spin it back in. So it was a real, that was a real learner for me. I was like, oh, that was, that's, that's good quality thinking. And again, a bit like I said about Mushy, Mushy had that, has had that kind of mentality as well. Yeah, that's class. I think that's a big thing. I think it's quite easy, especially in marble cricket, it's easy for spinners to bowl the, the end that's easy for them to bowl at. Do you know what I mean? So, for, you know, for me to right-hander, you know, not having a, short edge on or say to a left hand not having a short edge on a certain side but you know like you said if it's your best chance of getting poles then that's probably a really effective mindset to have and I think as well like yeah. short boundaries always creates opportunities because people just not only creates opportunities for wickets because people get obsessed with it but also like you can actually dot people up because they're so obsessed with it they might miss out on other balls you know what I mean so it's and I, I, like I'm sure it's a thing in world professional cricket but especially in county cricket because we play so much like well, I normally play so much. It's you get so many short boundaries. That it's almost like you play more times than not on a short boundary compared to like in the middle. So it's a really important thing just to get your head round getting used to doing that job. And and, and that you, I think you hit the nail on the head there. You're like, it's about how you how you frame it in your head. Do you frame it like, oh no, the short edge. Oh no, the bat didn't get me. Or you think actually it gives me a hell of a clue of where he's probably going to look to try and get me. You know, because I think in in most meetings you'll have as a batting group, the one thing they say is, "Don't become obsessed with a short edge." Yeah, definitely. you know, and that, and that, and I think, and but unfortunately, not unfortunately, but batters do. You know, batters do become obsessed with the short edge because it's, you know, it's it, it's the easiest way to hit a six, isn't it? But actually, if you know if someone's going to try and hit you, it makes it a hell of a lot easier. Yeah, I think that's a really um, talking about hitting the wide line earlier. That's probably when it's most important is if you have a short boundary on the leg side because you can just kind of hang it out there but I remember like one thing that um Jim Trowney said at Warwickshire which is so true is like when you and again this guess it's more for batters than spinners but like the amount of times there's like a six on the short boundary that is like an obscenely big six because like they haven't yeah. tried to absolutely moose it do you know what I mean like like yeah um so it's like it's, it's rare that obviously it happens, but it's rare that it's just cloughed over. It always seems to be like absolutely monster because batters aren't trying to overhit or anything. Absolutely, uh, yeah. No, I, and yeah, you see that. Yeah, absolutely. Short edges. You do. You don't, very rarely do people. If they, if they, if you get it wrong, you get it wrong, don't you? And actually, I think I can't remember who it was, but actually, sometimes when when there's a long edge, when people cloth it, it never carries to the field. It always goes yeah. for one. Yeah, yeah. So actually, to a shortage when they cloth it, you're probably going to get them out. So yeah, that's true. Um, so just uh, last thing about T20, like I think you spoke about a little bit, but like, what what do you think make makes a really successful T20 side? Like, it sounds like one thing you've really spoken about about putting words in your mouth is like having that like 
consistency in roles and in clarion roles, which I think is like the most important ingredient, especially in T20 for a successful team. Like, is that something you think now and you're still kind of banging the drum with when you're coaching? Yeah, I think it, I think it's it is is definitely about having role clarity. I do. I do. I, I think it is. I think, but I, I think as a, as a cricketer, you can't just go. Well, I, I think the game's moving on now. You can't go. Well, I just bowl in this phase of the game. I think you need to know that you can bowl in all phases of the game. But you're trying to. I think it always happens that people get patterns. There's patterns of how people go about winning games of cricket. So even you just you know. It, so I don't know, but like you start a tournament and um, and and then all of a sudden you get up to flyers in power plays. Sometimes sometimes you plan for it, and sometimes conditions you might plan for it, and then sometimes conditions allow you to do it. And then all of a sudden, then it's like that's how they go and play. And it's like right, we just take on power plays. Yeah. Or you know, or or actually become a really good team at the death just by certain things. And and it's the same with bowling bowling spin. You might if you you might say oh, we're gonna we're going to give an, you know, start with spin and you get a few wickets early and then all of a sudden you start bowling a hell of a lot more spin in a power play and you all of a sudden you have a pattern of playing and I think that's something you see with the teams that have been very successful with the pattern of how they go about it, um, whether that bat or ball um, and I think that that definitely helps and then you see the same in the field just because people know how the bowlers are going to bowl all of a sudden um, I think of like as a as a, as a spinner. If you don't bowl a mid wicket and you bowl a deep mid wicket, you know if you keep getting the same guy out there, he understands what batters try to do yeah. to the, and it, and, it, and it's these little things like we spoke about actually being really precise on where you put your fielders. All of a sudden, you put without realizing it, you're probably saving ten runs a game because you're putting the fielders in the right spots. They know they have an understanding of how people go how how people bowl where they're going to get hit. You know whether you know they need to sit back a little bit or or. Or they're coming in being really tight in the one, and they, you know, I know there's a framework within teams and things like that how you go about it. But I'm just, I think individually you have to, you know, take responsibility that for that as a fielder. You know, actually going right, I'm at back or point here. Unless the bowler tells me not, I'm going to be really tight on one with this guy because I know he's going to try and knock it in there and get one. So I'm going to be real tight. I'm going to take that responsibility on myself, or you know, or I know this guy is going to reverse, look to reverse sweep the spinner. I'm just gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna wait for the bowler to tell me. I'm gonna sit back and 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 try and get the catch. Do, do you know what I mean? And I think that's yeah, when yeah, you yeah. see a team playing. That's when you see a team playing really well and they really understand the different roles and uh, for them, but also what their teammates are doing. And there's that kind of, yeah, they're kind of not second guessing, but they understand what might happen in certain situations. Um, and that and that comes that does that does come from role clarity. Um, uh, yeah, and and I also think you got like we spoke about the short boundary. You've got to be prepared. You want as a captain, you want if there's a difficult over to bowl, you don't. You quickly realise when people you see a lot of backs that not many people want it. You yeah. know, actually, when a team's going well, you've got a lot of people going. I, I can take this over. You know, I take this over, and this is my plan. You know, this is what I'm going to do. You know, and sometimes the captain may not agree with it, but I tell you what. And there aren't many captains who don't like a bowler coming up to them and saying, "This is what I'm going to do, and this is why I'm going to do it." You know, and if you, I think if you've got players doing that, then it gives you a best chance because then if they if they can verbalise what they're going to do, they have a lot more belief in it, and they're more likely to be able to deliver it. Definitely, completely agree with all of that. Um, so when you, well, towards the end of your career, and now um, when you finished, like you moved on to 
um, studying like first an undergrad um, psychology degree and then now uh, doing a master's in it. You know, has this helped your coaching a lot? And knowing what you do now, would you have gone about things different as a spinner? Um, yeah, I, I think, like, firstly, I think, does it, has it helped my coach? I think it has. I think it has. I've, I'd probably look at things a little bit differently in terms of I don't always necessarily think of technique you know I try and think about how people go about thinking um, ways of thinking about situations and you know they're more around their mindset and how they you know how they think about the game and I think I think that's definitely helped in that sense um, because I think it's, it's I, don't know, I don't know if I was as a player but sometimes it's very easy to get caught up in technique and you know and it's actually sometimes it can be a little bit of a safety blanket if I get my technique right I'll be all right but actually you know what if you your technique's probably going to break down if you if you if you haven't practiced you've practiced just on technique and you haven't you know put any kind of feeling or emotion in your practice that that kind of feeling you get in a match there's kind of nerves and that uncomfortableness then you're you're kind of you're not practicing the full skill set because actually you want to practice and feel slightly uncomfortable in your practice and and test that technique so then when you get in matches that gap isn't so big and I think that's something that I, I really, well, I, I kind of believe quite a lot about. Um, and yeah, and as, oh, well, I think it would hugely help my, my plan if I'd have known what I know now. I think just being able to understand how you think and, you know, how the brain works, I think that's huge. And I think it's not, and it's not complicated, I think. It, well, it's certainly not complicated for me because I'm not bright enough to get it that complicated. But I think, you know, understanding, you know, how your brain goes in the simplest form and how you, can do certain little things when you're feeling, you know, feeling the pinch in the middle that can actually help you. Um, and I think it's then trying to, you know, and then you're trying to relay them to players without it kind of being very subtly as well, because you don't yeah. necessarily want them, you know. Ultimately, most people will say when they're playing at the best, they're not thinking about a huge amount, you know, and it's just having an understanding what what helps you get to your best, you know, and how you think. Definitely, like one thing you spoke about earlier was from that uh, World Cup was that uh, catastrophizing, and I think all cricketers and spinners can probably relate to that. Like if you have a bad over or whatever, you know, you think, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. So um, I guess, yeah, it's interesting to hear, like, you know, hear those kind yeah, of things from you and how you go about it differently. Yeah, I think I think it's really, I think you do. You go, oh, and you start kind of looking, you, you start thinking about what happened and, and you know, you start thinking, probably, you know, you can get spiralling out of control and think about, you know, I'm a, you know, you'd, your value and things like that all of a sudden in this like short you know your brain your brain's kind of out of control the only way you get yourself out of that is to have an action plan about what you're going to do right what am I going to do if I come on next over what am I going to do and that's how you focus yourself trying to take yourself away from your thoughts and actually into into what you're going to do you know what you're going to do and you know how you're going to do it and and I think that's I think that's a massively important thing to do you can't you know you can't solve a game of cricket or bowl well in your head you've got to be actually right okay I can this is going on in my head but what do I need to do right now to get myself back into this game and if you I think if you can have that kind of mentality all the time go yep you know what that didn't go how I wanted but what can I learn from it and what can I take into my next over or or my next game so like when now when you coach players like people talk a lot about having a process and it's something I think's mm been really important for me like is that something you encourage players to have a process that they follow so if things aren't going to plan or they come under pressure like it's something they can go back to yeah I do I do I think it is and I think it's I think sometimes like I mean 
I won't go too much into it, but batting, like you talk about, and bowlers have it the same, bowling routines, and you go through yeah. little idiosyncrasies. And I think they are important, but I also think actually what you, you know, what you think about and what you're really, and being really clear of coming back to action, if that makes sense, so coming back in your head, right, as a batter, I've played and missed at that one, right, okay, this is what I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to kind of evaluate it, but next ball, I'm going to come back to it and go, right, what am I going to do? You know, and that, and that's the same bowling, isn't it? Like, right, okay, I've just been hit for four, probably too much width. Right, next ball, I'm going to go, um, you know, quick, quick pace into kind of middle leg and try and spin it hard. You know, and just real simple things. And yeah. I think it's so easy to say, you know, like we're talking now, but actually, when you're under pressure, can you keep going back to that point? And then that comes back to your practice. Can you get those kind of feelings where it isn't always feel really nice in practice but you can always come back to what you need to do in the next moment definitely so like obviously it's probably a million dollar question but like how how do you practice those situations you know what can you do to practice under pressure um, it, it changes for for different players I think always some kind of I think having a consequence and, and the consequences can mean so many different things because ultimately people don't like to be well, as humans we don't like to be judged do we by others and that's where it comes isn't it so actually when you when you haven't bowled well a lot of it comes back to what are oh, what what my teammates thinking are oh, yeah, people getting on the back in the crowd and things like that so actually whenever you can kind of repeat that kind of feeling of of um that uncomfortableness of being judged in practice however that is um then i think that's how you can then take that into your into your, into your, into your matches and that will kind of it is. It's it's trying to create that kind of uncomfortableness. That's when people really perform at their best. Is when you are slightly uncomfortable, but you but you kind of you always come back. You're always comfortable to know you come back to your process. If that makes sense, you have to have to be able to get uncomfortable in practice, so then you can practice. Keep coming back to your process. Yeah. Um, so keeping it keeping it logical. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, yeah, so thanks, Yard, for being top draw, mate. So many brilliant bits of insight. So, um, just to finish off, um, I've asked all my guests for one bit of on-field and one bit of off-field advice um, for young spinners. So, what would yours be? Um, on the fi- on the field, I would always talk about, and I think a real thing that's kind of uh, maybe not thought about is how you carry yourself on the field you know as a spinner if you get hit for a four how much does your body language change when you're when you're on top of a batter you know does your body language change you know huge amount can you keep really consistent you know can you keep really consistent about what you're doing instead of getting really excited or getting you know or or being quite deflated so that would be my that would be my thing on the pitch yeah um and then off the pitch um I think it's having that kind of mind where you're really curious to try things. You need your fundamental basics of what you're doing and knowing how you go and then being brave enough to try new things. I think even if you've had success and you've done well and you're, you're you know, you've you even, you know, wherever you are, you've had a lot of success. I think it's really important to go, yeah, I've got that, I've got that base, but can I just try, you know, try different things? And if, if it doesn't work out, then you've still got your base, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I think sometimes when, when we've got something working, we kind of like, oh, no, that works. I don't want to try it. I don't want to mess around with that because that, that's okay. But actually, you've got to keep kind of adding little layers on and that's how I think the best gets to becoming the best. Yeah. From what I've seen, that's how I think. I've, yeah, you know. that's that's such a hard balance that um, I, I completely agree. Being being curious is massive and I think that's 
just reflecting on my own journey, I think that's probably been a massive um, reason for you know me going on to play professional cricket. But it is such a balance, isn't it? Like you said, once you've had success and you've done something in a certain way, to then go and change it is really hard because there's always that voice in the back of your mind saying, "Oh, you know, but don't change it. Like it's a risk because you've done this well." Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's such a hard balance, isn't it? Yeah, I think it, and it's and it, as I say, I think it's not necessarily so. If you bowl, if you bowl in a certain way, or you play cricket in a certain way, I think yeah, that's how you go about you go and do it. But trying a new, different thing on top of that, rather than yeah. going, oh, I don't know, I, I, you know, I don't know, I bowl, I bowl quickly, you know, at the stumps and get it to spin a little bit, and now I'm going to bowl it really, and now I'm just no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to bowl slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do, you, do you know what I mean? So it's just yeah, always it's adding layers onto your top. Too. Yeah, yeah. So not trying to you know necessarily reinvent the wheel, but just keep going. Right, okay, well. Um, I don't know. Yeah, whatever, whatever it is, just add a little bit of. If you can just keep adding a little bit on every year, then you just, or even, and that's just learning, isn't it? Just trying and going. Okay, well, if it if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I can always go back to to what I do. So definitely, I think that's spot on. Um, yeah. So thanks, Yards, for coming on. That's been top draw. Cheers, mate.